Coming up, football. We're back, baby. Oh, yeah. Next. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game and... They're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right? First half of the first game. I don't know. West Coast time. That's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30. Perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where we put up a new rewatchables on Monday night. We did Lost in Translation. We also welcomed Against All Odds with Cousin Sal back to the Ringer Podcast fold. Please follow, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. They are doing all the gambling stuff. Sal has a new show that we premiered on Friday morning. So we haven't premiered it yet because I'm taping this on Thursday night. I just went into the future, but uh, it's going to be on FanDuel TV, 10 a.m. ET, and then we're going to run it as well on Sal's feed. It is called Cousin Sal's Winning Weekend, big weekend preview. And then on FanDuel TV on Sunday, the Ringer Wise guys, we're doing it, man. We've talked about doing a pregame gambling show forever and it's finally happening. Cousin Sal with the East Coast Bias guys, Joe House, Raheem Palmer, John Jastrzemski. We are live on FanDuel 11 a.m. on Sunday, breaking down all the action, all the bets, all the last-minute injuries, parlays, props, you name it. We're doing it all. We're going for an hour on FanDuel TV, and then we're going to extend it on some FanDuel and Ringer digital platforms as well, probably till about 1230 range. I might even pop on there every once in a while, but I am so excited for that show. We're not running it as a podcast. It is just live TV on every platform we have. We have So there you go. Coming up on this podcast, at the top, I'm going to talk about Chiefs-Lions tonight as well as Million Dollar Picks week one. Can't wait to drop all of those. And then after that, Ara Hawani comes on. He hosts the Ringer MMA show for us. He is, you know, the most famous person covering UFC these days. But that's not the only reason he came on. We wanted to talk about Team Canada and the World Cup. We wanted to talk about UFC 293, and we wanted to talk about his beloved Buffalo Bills, who I am shorting to make the playoffs this year. I do not think they will make the playoffs, so we argued about that and a whole bunch more. And then Ben Thompson from the Stratechery blog, he's been on this pod many times. We were talking about this whole ESPN charter dispute, what it means, what ESPN's direction is going to be going forward now that um, this incredible business model that they had seems to be in disarray, I'm being kind, but what's going to happen? What does this all mean? What is ESPN going to look like? How is this going to affect the sports right deals? 
we dive into all of it. So this is an awesome podcast. Almost feel like we need some music to start us off. Hmm, what should we do? Pearl Jam! All right, taping this, it is 8.30 Pacific time. Just watch the Lions beat the Chiefs in what became the Kadarius Tony game. So, you know, we love overreacting in week one, and especially in the opening night if things go wrong. But I will say, I was a little worried about this Chiefs team. Cousin Sal and I even talked about it, about the receiver room. Beyond Kelsey, what was going to happen? And I have personal experience with this with the 2006 Patriots which was the year before the iconic 07 offense that Brady had 50 touchdowns, eight picks, 4,800 plus yards, Moss, Walker, everybody. The year before that year, he only threw for 35, 29, 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. And in 05, he threw for 41, 20, 28, and 15. So what happened between 05 and 06? Well, he lost all his receivers. Everybody, everybody was gone. He ended up with Rache Caldwell, who was the only guy on the team who had more than uh, 700 receiving yards. He was 61 for 760. Ben Watson, 49 for 643. And nobody else on the team had more than 400 yards receiving. And I bring this up because they get rid of Tyreek Hill two years ago or a year and a half ago, it works. They end up winning anyway. They have Schuster. They have Kelsey, obviously, age 32, still at his prime. And they were able to patch together all this, scantling all these guys, and it was enough. And Mahomes just basically being Steph Curry. But sometimes in football, you can pass the point of competency. And it can happen on the offensive line. It can happen on the defense. It can happen when a fly jumps in as you're trying to talk, which just happened right now. Um, the receivers were bad. And Tony symbolized everything. He had a terrible game. He had the pick six was his fault. He drops the key play on, on uh, the 45-yard line when they get the ball back with two and a half minutes left. But over and over again, Mahomes had nowhere to go. Now you would say, well, Kelsey's coming back in 10 days. It'll be fine. Kelsey's 33. Kelsey plays a position that perennially, you know, you have six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years of your peak. And then physically, you take a lot of hits. Um, I know he's spread out more as a wide receiver, but you know, you're basically now saying if we don't have this 33-year-old tight end who has, a, who has a decent amount of miles on him and who hyperextended his knee this week, even before the season started, if he doesn't come through, we're in trouble. So the question is, do they, do they trade for a receiver? Do they just keep their fingers crossed? Do they think that this is all going to work out? I just remember the 06 Pats. The reason that season happened was because they traded Deion Branch before the year for Seattle's number one pick. They did it because Branch wanted a big contract. Belichick just was at the height of his stubbornness and was like, I'm not going to do it. And I think it cost them a Super Bowl. They ended up losing to the Colts in the AFC title game. And the reason was because on third and three, I've talked about this before in my pod, to basically close that Colts game out, Brady had nowhere to go. And he ends up going to Troy Brown, who was on the last legs of his career, and he doesn't make the play. Peyton Manning gets the ball back, wins the game. The Colts win the Super Bowl. That's how that it, it comes down. Your whole season can come down to three times. Either a receiver dropped it, somebody didn't get open. And when you have this incredible toy like Mahomes, this, you know, the best guy in the league, the best guy of the last five, six years, 
do you want to mess around with with the weapons? And it seems like they have. And you start thinking like the Warriors were in that spot with Steph Curry last year where they had this team, they spent a shitload of money on it, but they were also banking on Jordan Poole and Moses Moody and James Wiseman and Jonathan Kaminga. And they decided to get a little cute and try to do the double air thing at once. And it didn't work out. And they ended up getting knocked out around two by the Lakers. The Chiefs, I don't think they necessarily got cute. It's expensive to have Patrick Mahomes. It's expensive to have Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones. By the way, neither of those guys played. And this goes back to the overreaction thing for week one. Kelsey will be back. I'm sure they'll sign Chris Jones at some point. They did okay with without him today. It's not like the Lions offense like decided the game or anything. Um, but big picture, is their offense going to be the same? Are they going to be able to convert you know, those two, three plays a game that they need. From what you saw today, do you trust those receivers? And I do not. So that was my big takeaway. That was the first thing. The second thing, just I jotted down some some quick notes. They started out the game, and Tariko called Mahomes the face of the league. Patrick Mahomes. That's how he introduced him. And I was like, oh, wait, he is the face of the league. That's right. And I was trying to think, like, who are the top five faces of the league Who's number two after Mahomes? Because Mahomes is definitely the face of the league. I had Josh Allen two. Rodgers three. Burrow four. It starts getting really, really iffy, like almost after uh, after the top three. And then I guess Dak five because he's the quarterback of the Cowboys. But it's interesting. I don't feel like there's a defensive player who's in the conversation. Not really a receiver at this point. Maybe Kelsey could be in there actually as uh as cause he's pretty famous. He's got the big podcast now. Maybe he's in the top five. Uh I wouldn't say any running back, but uh it's funny how definitively face of the league he is. You know, and you go back like they go twelve and four, twelve and four, fourteen and two, twelve and five, fourteen and three, two and one in the Super Bowls, five final fours basically. And I keep thinking back to that AFC title game when the Pats, they beat the Chiefs in KC. Thanks, D Ford. But that was like a legitimate passing of the torch. When when do you see so seamlessly face of the league just change hands like that? Like when Jordan left in 98 in Chicago, it wasn't like he was like, here, Kobe, take it, or whoever. Like there was nobody there and we had this really choppy next couple of years. Tiger in 2009, same thing. Tiger goes down. It's not like, all right, uh, Sergio Garcia here. Like, it's so rare to have the Brady Patriot thing ending and all of a sudden you're just handing it off to Mahomes and Chiefs and the Chiefs. Belichick's just handing it off to Andy Reid. Uh, New England is handing off like their cold weather city title town thing to the Chiefs. And it just kind of seamlessly happens. So I had that written down. Um, the Lions. I did not have them in the playoffs and I had this game as a loss for them. And Kelsey goes down um, earlier this week and the line drops. It drops from six and a half. I think it ended at maybe four. And I thought they were a nine and eight team. Their over under was nine and a half. I wasn't a true believer. I didn't really totally see it. But now that this is a win, you think like, can they get to 10 wins? Now they just have to go nine and seven. They still have all their home games left. They have some easy games on the schedule. 
And I'm looking at, I never felt great about my division picks, but one of the ones that I really liked was the Packers to win the division and the Lions to be maybe Lions, Giants, Atlanta, maybe to all be competing for a seven seed. And the Lions not getting it partly because of their schedule. Well, they just won the toughest game in their schedule. They won it despite uh, some very bizarre Dan Campbell coaching. He does the fake punt uh, six minutes into the game from zone 17, which I thought was just insane. And then they drove down and scored and it was like, cool, that was still insane. Um, they just did some weird stuff. Like one time they went for it, um, inside the 50, another time they didn't. And they were just kind of all over the map. But as the game went on and no Chris Jones, they started to assert their will. The The big thing with the Lions that I thought jumped out to me on the, on the giant TV I was watching the game on was every time Gibbs was in, they just seemed terrified. And Montgomery had a pretty good game. Like he ran between the tackles and, especially in the fourth quarter came on, but Gibbs as a weapon was as advertised. Every time he was on the field, um, I was pretty terrified. So for the Lions, like just an amazing turn of events. What happens if Kelsey doesn't hyperextend his knee? He at least makes two of those plays, right? You even think like first down on the 45, two and a half minutes left, Tony's wide open. Mahomes, who wasn't as great as he was moving around. I did think he missed some throws in this game. And part of that was because I'm not sure he totally trusts the receivers. But um, but I I do feel like if Kelsey's in that game, the Chiefs win. The Tony pick six play was unbelievable. It felt like the Chiefs were going to go up by double digits. I had a Lions tease that I made. I teased the Lions uh, alt line with Atlanta in real life. And I'm thinking like, oh my God, the Lions might not even cover 10 and a half. All of a sudden they're winning. Um, there wasn't a lot to learn on the Lions side other than that uh, Gibbs and Sam Laporta was another one that the, the uh, second tight end they had. And just seems like he's ready to go. So maybe as they go along and they play some easier teams, um, who knows? I, d I don't think they're going to be the offensive juggernaut everyone was predicting before the year. But to start out 1-0 with what just happened there, pretty, pretty crazy. So the Lions don't play until 10 days from now. They're home Seattle, home Atlanta at Green Bay. And if they can get to three and one somehow during that stretch, then they have this Carolina at Tampa combo week five, week six. So maybe maybe that's a 10-win team. I still like the Packers. I'm still in on the Packers. I still believe in the Packers. But um, from what I saw today from the Lions, very lucky that Travis Kelsey did play. Last but not least, Interesting NBC telecast. They had 400 people, as always, in the in the multi-part studio show that nobody asked for. They decided to mic Hutchinson's parents for the game. And we got to see his mom on her phone over and over again. And we also got to see his dad just repeatedly go, yeah! Uh, strange move. I have created a Google Doc and I'm just throwing in all year, all the inexplicable decisions the different TV networks make during this NFL season. And I'm going to title the doc Hutchinson's Parents because I don't understand what that was. Somebody watched the Little League World Series and got super excited about it. All in all, great to have football back. I loved it. I made some meat sauce today, um, did some cooking, and, uh, and watched the game with my son who has been playing defense this year. So he was calling out some of the offensive formations. It was the most impressed I've ever been with them. Um, but anyway, really fun to have it back. Can't wait for 
this weekend. Can't wait for million dollar picks. Let's get to it. All right, million dollar picks, week one. Each week we are gonna bet a million fake dollars, as far as you know, on the weekend slate. We do not include Thursday games because it's not fair. I mean, I could tell you right now, I, I would do the Lions money line and pretend I taped this at 3.30. I'm an ethical guy. I don't do stuff like that. Week one, love the home dogs in a week one. Love underdogs in general. Uh, especially when it's division matchups. So kind of veering toward there and over and over again, just looking at two things. One, does does that line seem off? And two, does that line seem fishy? So I've actually, I've stayed away from a couple games just because I didn't understand the line. And the Seahawks-Rams is probably the number one for that. I like the Seahawks this week. I was ready to throw them in a parlay. And it's like, why is that line five? against this crap Rams team and a Seahawks team that I think is going to make the playoffs and is at home. Why are we only at five? So there's another one like that that we're going to get to a million dollar picks. Also staying away from Pat's Eagles. That line's suspicious to me. It's it's kind of moved up. It stayed at four. I like this Pat's team. I'm just staying away completely. Here we go. Million dollar picks week one. Dolphins at the Chargers. Dolphins are getting three points. And what's weird is the Chargers have no home field advantage whatsoever. So usually you get three points for being at home. And nowadays, because home field advantage matters, just a tiny bit less for a variety of reasons. Maybe it's two and a half. I think the Dolphins are better than the Chargers, especially you're getting Tua healthy. I don't have to worry about Tua yet, hopefully. Uh, plus, you know, he learned jujitsu and he learned how to fall feeling good about the Dolphins, feeling good about Tua. It's a team that I like to win the AFC East. I think the odds are like plus 290. I just think they're better than the Chargers. So I'm getting the plus three. Worst case scenario, field goal game. I'm not buying any of the Chargers hype. I don't really fully understand it. Um, it's the same team that completely, completely crapped the bet against the Jaguars. Only like, what, nine months ago? I'm supposed to believe in them now because they have an offensive coordinator. I just believe in this Dolphins team. I think it's the most talented team in the AFC East. The only question that, plus they added Vic Fangio to help the defense. The only question I have is, can Tua play 17 games? I don't have to care about the 17 games of this. I just care about the one game. I think they're too explosive for them. I love the Dolphins. We take the Dolphins plus three. We're also going to take the Packers, who are getting a point and a half in Chicago. And for whatever reason, the Packers and the Bears have the same over-under for wins. I think the Packers are way more talented. I am in on Jordan Love. I love the fact that he sat there for three years and just kind of absorbed and learned everything. Their coach has won a lot of games, whether you're a huge LaFleur fan or not. I don't know what to tell you. The Packers have been pretty successful up until last year. And I just like the team. I think they're going to be able to rush the passer. I think they're going to be able to run the ball a lot more now that Rodgers is out of there and they can line up behind center. And I think this is a lay the smackdown game. I do not believe in the Bears. Packers plus one and a half. We're grabbing them. We're also grabbing, and I'm a little, little more worried about this one just because I don't know who's playing for the Niners yet. They just signed Bosa. Kittle has the red flag next to him, which if you have if you have Kittle in fantasy, you just expect it at this point. But we don't know if Kittle's going to play. But as you've heard for the last three weeks, I'm all in on this Steelers team. And if I'm all in on this Steelers team, this is a game they have to win there. Plus two getting them as a home dog in week one. I'm in on Kenny Pickett. 
I'm in on Mike Tomlin. I'm in on this defense. And this is a team that I think has a real chance to make the Super Bowl. So Steelers plus two. Last one, Jets, Monday night. I kind of like both of the New York teams on Monday night, but we're going to stay away uh, from the Giants-Cowboys just because the Cowboys have owned the Giants. And the Giants have to prove to me they can beat the Dallas. I'm not betting on it. I am betting on the Jets. I do not believe in this Bills team this season. Uh, Josh Allen, never fun to go against him, but we're doing it. Um, I, th to me, this feels like a Jets win on a Monday night. Everybody goes nuts. Here comes the Jets hype. And then we'll actually find out uh, if it's a typical Jets team, which I, I think it is. I do not have them in the playoffs. Jets plus two and a half. So mark that down. And then last but not least, Falcons minus three and a half against Carolina. This only worries me because it's a pretty obvious pick. There's a lot of money on Carolina. On the other hand, I think the line's too low. I think the Panthers have a chance to be the worst team in the league. Frank Reg, 0-4-1 in his last five week ones. And I don't know if this Atlanta team's a playoff team or not, but this is a line that feels like three weeks from now would be Atlanta by seven or Atlanta by seven and a half. So those five, Dolphins plus three, Packers plus one and a half, Steelers plus two, Jets plus two and a half, Falcons minus three and a half. We are putting 200K on all five of those. And then instead of underdog parlay this year, I have a new gimmick. If you remember in The Godfather, probably my favorite movie of all time, or at least one of my three favorite movies of all time. My list varies from basically week to week. Um, we had in The Godfather, the great Luca Brazzi, who was Vito Corleone's bodyguard. And he has that, you know, incredible scene at the wedding when he's rehearsing what he's going to say to the Godfather. And then he comes in, he's like, Godfather, so happy on your son's wedding day. And he's just like stammering and he's a mess, but Luca Brazzi is a badass. And Salazzo comes in and he, they send Luca Brazzi to, to try to see what's going on with Salazzo the Turk because they think he might be a bad guy. And Salazzo the Turk kills Luca Brazzi, strangles him. He's got the big bulging eyes. And they don't know what happened to Luca Brazzi. All this stuff starts happening to the Corleone family. And they're like, well, when Luca comes back and they don't know, Luca's just gone. They don't know what happened to him. And then they get this newspaper with Luca's bulletproof vest wrapped in a fish. The fish is in the bulletproof vest. And the message is Sicilian. It's Luca Brazzi now sleeps with the fishes. I'm going to have the Luca Brazzi line every week. The fishiest game of the week. The one that just makes me go, hmm, that doesn't make sense. Everybody likes this one side. All the money is going one way. Why isn't line higher? Just, I just, something doesn't smell right. We're going to call it the Luca Brazzi game. We're going to put 50K each week on this. Let's see how we do. This week, Arizona plus seven in Washington. And the case for Washington is, you know, they're deep. We don't even know who the Cardinals quarterback is. They're a mess. They're already tanking for Caleb Williams. Uh, in Washington, oh, uh, first of all, I'm not sure Washington should be favored by seven points over anybody in professional football. Maybe outside the NFL, you could extend it to European leagues or whatever. Ron Rivera, I still feel like could be the first coach fired. Everybody's going to put Washington in a tease. Everyone's going to put Washington in an eliminator pool. Everyone's betting on Washington. I ask you, when has this ever worked out in the history of mankind? I think the Cardinals actually have a chance to win this game because I just don't trust Washington in any way, shape, or form. And I don't trust how easy this looks. The tease looks easy. 
The money line parlay looks easy. The eliminator pool looks easy. It's like, oh yeah. Oh, and I have, I teased Washington with Minnesota. That'll be a layup. There are no layups in the NFL ever. Cards plus seven in our first Luca Brazzi pick of the week for 50K. So to recap, Dolphins plus three, Packers plus one and a half, Steelers plus two, Jets plus two and a half, Falcons minus three and a half, 200K on all of them. And then the Luca Brazzi game, cards plus seven, putting 50K on that. Those are the million dollar picks for week one. And you can find all those lines on our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5, get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. You just heard all the bets I love. You know, the home dogs at home. I don't know how many times we can see it, especially in week one. So we just covered that. Now is the best time to join FanDuel and you can hop on some of those picks. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash BS. Kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL, must be 21 plus and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. NFL Sunday ticket offer ends September 18th, 2023. No refunds. Terms and embargoes apply. $100 off NFL Sunday ticket, not YouTube TV. YouTube TV base plan required to watch YouTube TV. Redemption requires a Google account and current form of payment. Commercial use excluded. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right? First half of the first game. I don't know. West Coast time, that's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30. Perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe, award-winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others, real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60-day money-back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two S. Simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. So I woke up this morning and I realized. Team Canada about to play the U.S. in the World Cup, UFC 293 this weekend, and lots of dialogue about whether the Josh Allen little mini era here is already over. And I was like, I wonder where Ariel Hawani is. Checked in. He was in a hotel room. He's like, I got a half hour. Let's go. What do you want to start with? Oh, my gosh. Uh, first of all, great to be back. Uh, I like how you just breezed by Serbia. We're in the finals already. This is tremendous. Uh, thank you for that. Um, 
I got to start with Team Canada. I, I am buzzing, as they say overseas, about Team Canada. Because, Bill, you have to understand, I, I'm, a, I'm a very patriotic person. I love my country, my home country of Canada, and I follow Canadian sports very, very closely. And I'm a huge basketball fan, as you know. And as you also may know, Canada basketball has been a bit of a joke over the years. You know, when I was growing up, it was Rick Fox and Bill Wennington. That's all we had. And Canada basketball was such a joke that even those guys refused to play for Canada basketball. It all changed in 2000 when Steve Nash led the Canadian team to their last Olympic berth in Sydney. And since then, we have been an utter failure. And there were some close calls most notably 2021 against Czech Republic. They couldn't even beat the Czech Republic to make it oh to the God. Tokyo Games. But now I finally felt, I finally felt with all of this, um, you know, this talent and people buying in and RJ Barrett and Shea and I thought Jamal as well, you know, Kelly, I thought it was going to come together. I'll be honest. I didn't think they'd make it to the semis. So I'm going, I'm going crazy. I love this. Well, so by the time a lot of people who listen to this hear this will know what happened in Canada, USA. But you had you left out another great Canadian basketball moment, Jamal Murray becoming the legitimate number two on a title team, right? So you start with there. Now you have potentially them beating the USA, but then going forward, this uh, SGA, Jamal Murray, Canadian backcourt with all this other stuff. I'm with you. I'm super patriotic if I like my team. I remember in 04, I turned on the 04 basketball team. I was like, I'm out betting on Argentina. I don't, I don't like the team they've put together. But for the most part, I love just seeing the flags and it brings out a different level of competitiveness. And this is the biggest Canadian game of all time, I think, right? It has to be. 1,000%. Um, you know, they said that against France earlier in the tournament. Nah. The Spain game. Let me tell you something about the Spain game. I, my heart was beating so fast because it, w- it was deja vu. You know, we, we start great against France. We crush Lebanon. We then beat Latvia, who had a solid showing without Chris Stapps. And then we stumble against Brazil. Brazil, 19 and a half point favorites. And I was like, no, not this again. Because for us, you guys take for granted that you just make every Olympic. We don't. Yeah. And so that game against Spain on Sunday was not only a trip to the quarterfinals. Okay, great. But also the Olympic birth. Because the last thing I wanted was to go to July of next year in the early days of free agency and who knows who's going to want to play, who just had a long title run, who just was playing in the playoffs till June. And then we have to play for these last four remaining spots a month before the Olympics or three weeks before the Olympics. That would have been a disaster. And they were down 12 in the fourth quarter. And then my guy, SGA from Mississauga. Oh my gosh, what a freaking performance. And by the way, can we give, can we show some love to Dylan Brooks, Dylan, the villain, I mean, he's been unbelievable. I love, I would take him on my team any day. I would clone him 12 times and have 12 of those guys. I, I adore that guy. I won't, I won't accept any Dylan slander. He has been unbelievable. They wouldn't be in the semis without Dylan Brooks. He's been awesome. And what's interesting, the Luca game that they just had where both of them ended up getting kicked out, it was clear Dylan Brooks was like, this is the beginning of an amazing rivalry between me and Luca. And he's the only one who thinks that. But, you know, they're both in <laughs> Texas now. And he's like, I'm really going to make this the rivalry the the NBA fans didn't realize they wanted. And he was just following him around. He was invading his personal space. Luca complimented him after the game, which I was surprised by because he, he was super annoying. Who, this is a weird question, but, you know, who do you think is the most true Canadian on this team? Like, if you had I, yeah. to say, like, this guy is so Canadian, I can't stand it. Kelly Olenek, because mm. a he he ha, he has been the one guy who has shown up time and again right. on some really bad teams. 
Um, you know, he's, he's creeping up to like most appearances for the Canadian men's national team. Um, and he just seems like a nice guy, a salt of the earth guy. Um, he feels and looks and, and just acts and kind of plays very Canadian. Um, you could see him of, on the Colorado Avalanche as like a defenseman for 17 years with a 40, 40 stitch cut on his forehead that never healed right. Cause he stitched up and went back in, in a playoff game. Yeah, I could see that a million percent, but I will, I will give a nod to RJ Barrett because RJ Barrett's dad, Rowan Barrett was on that last, um, Olympic team in 2000 with Steve Nash. And it was on, back then, Bill, that 2000 team, there were only two NBA players on that team, Steve Nash and the great Todd McCullough, another true wow. Canadian, right? That was it. So look how yeah. far we have come where we are arguably having the best player on the court every time we're playing in, in SGA. And we would have had the same with Jamal Murray as well. But RJ's dad took over as the general manager of Team Canada a few years ago. And I think RJ, being the star that he is, being as notable as he is, every time he would play, I think that let some of the other guys know like, hey, you know, we should be a part of this as well. Because for some reason, the Canadian players just didn't want to sign up. They didn't want yeah. to buy in. And could you imagine next year, Jamal Murray, SJ, the best backcourt in the world. You can have your Steph Curry's. You can have your this guy, LeBron. SGA, Jamal Murray, backcourt. Maybe we get Andrew Wiggins back. Maybe we get the great Benedict Mathurin of uh, the Indiana Pacers. I mean, we're going right. to go 10, 12 deep here. Lou Dort, shout out to Montreal's own Lou Dort. I'm going nuts. This seems like a dream because Canada basketball for me has always been that thing that I've never been able to celebrate and I could finally like puff my chest out about it. Do you ever feel like there was a split second there where the Knicks could have had SGA? Yeah, absolutely. Like two years ago? Because there was, I remember talking about it on a podcast once and then all the Oklahoma City fans went nuts and they were like, we'd never trade that guy. But I, you know, he wasn't the guy that he became over the last two years and the Knicks because they have the Kentucky guys and you know, they loved him and they had all this stuff that they could have traded and OKC was going the other way. And um, I don't know if the Knicks could have done a godfather offer and then the window closed immediately. And now, you know, I do feel like they have a responsibility to try to put together like a fringe contender around him now. If you feel one of the seven best players in the world, you've got oh, to yeah. at least try to make, you know, the conference finals. He's, I think he's had the best World Cup of any player, um, no any question. player on any team. I mean, it's been somewhat of a, a coming out party for him on the worldwide stage. I think all of us who follow the NBA know exactly who yeah. he is. I, I was just foaming at the mouth at that backcourt, SGA and uh, Jamal Murray. And I get why Jamal ultimately didn't play, but I just wanted to see them play together so badly. Um, and, and I hope that, you know, in, in 2024, next summer, we get to see that. I think that would be tremendous. Can I also give a, a brief shout out, by the way, to their head coach, Jordy Fernandez? This is a guy who took it's over been the really team good. Yeah. in late June for Nick Nurse and, you know, has been a part of the FIBA system with Spain and whatnot, assistant coach for uh, the Sacramento Kings and his demeanor and just the way he coaches and he makes the right moves like yesterday or, or, or Wednesday when he went small against Slovenia, that was brilliant. I've really enjoyed him. I thought he, he he's had a great tournament as well. And I feel like he's going to be like on that short list of like the young up and coming potential future head coaches in the NBA. All right. I'm going to bring you down because you're too happy. Okay. Uh, all of a sudden, Giannis and Embiid are kind of looming over the next, like, two years of the next year. And I started talking about Giannis at the end of June because it felt, I, I just, I had some intel on it. And I did, I think, multiple podcasts where I was like, look, this is going to be year to year now for him. He's got two years left on his deal. And I think he's a stand-up guy. And 
if he thinks that there's a world where he leaves because he can't win a title in Milwaukee two years from now, he, he'll make the move next year. And the Knicks, I think, are kind of frozen between him and the Embiid piece where Philly's just completely falling apart on their end. And do you feel like what, if as a Knicks fan, do you want to go down this road again where you have these, the carnival prizes kind of lingering over that you have the claw and you're trying to grab, but you don't know if you're going to get, like you've done this so many times, or are you just happy with the team you have and let the chips fall where they may? Well, the truth is who needs Giannis Antetokounmpo or Joel Embiid when you have Dante DiVincenzo? What a pickup. <laughs> what a freaking pickup. I love this guy. Fair. I'm so excited. He's incredible. Um, look, I think I think the mainstream media, I think, you know, you guys who talk about the NBA, you know, as like a whole league and all the drama, I think you guys want that. We're good. I'm happy. Yeah. The one thing I really wanted this offseason and and who knows, you know, there's still, you know, a month and a half or so left before the season actually starts. I'm curious if they explored moving Julius. I ultimately thought they wouldn't. I wasn't yeah. happy with him at the end of the uh, the playoff run. His body language, his shot selection. Just well, he was he was definitely hurt. I mean, there's. I think we know now that part of his body language was that he was he had like a know, broken man, bone in his ankle. I know, but he was just such a grump out there, you know. He was. And, and 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 it was it was very clear by the end. I remember you asking me. If 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 only one player from the Knicks can make the All Star team, who would it be, Jalen or Julius? And I said Jalen, and 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 yep. I feel like over time that has aged very well. He is by far the best player on the team. Uh, as he goes, they go, and so I'm very curious for, to see how year two goes. I think it's going to be even better. I think he's, you know, I think he has one of the best contracts in the league. I think he's one of the best point guards in the league. I'm just, I just don't know if they can go as far as they want to go with Julius. That being said, you know, the majority of the team is is intact. Solid offseason in, in that but regard. They have all their picks. And they have all the Mitchell's. Picks. I didn't mention Mitchell. That's the other name that's. I mean, I had Garrett Bush from Cleveland last week, and he's like, he's out of here a year from now. We all know it. He's and, 100% out. He's dying yeah. to be a Nick. I mean, he's at every single Mets game. He's always like talking glowingly about New York and the Garden. I'll take him. And perhaps. You know, down the line, it ends up being a good move that they didn't sell the farm to get him uh, to come over. Who, who knows? But I'm happy with this team. I love Tibbs. I'll, I'll always. It's not going to be the team in a year. What do you think? They'll it get is? one of those three guys. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. They'll get Giannis and Peter Mitchell will be on that team a year from now. And, and how, unfortunately, this is what the league has become, where it's ring around the rosy, and every year there's three or four superstars available, and they kind of pick their spots. Giannis is probably the most likely to stay to me just because Milwaukee just might be really good. I really think if he feels like he can win where he is, he'll stay. Mitchell, I think, always want to go to the Knicks. And the Embiid thing is just like watching a slow motion car accident with, with just where that franchise is going. And then he has a whole history of the Knicks. You know, if I, obviously he would prioritize Giannis number one because he's 29. thousand percent. It just... It just feels like we're going to be talking about the Knicks all year. What are they going to do? Who's available? Oh, this guy seemed unhappy in this game. I wonder if it's time and all their picks. And, you know, they, we've been down this road with them before. But this time, it really does feel like they're going to end up with somebody. Okay, and here's the big difference. They have the assets. And they're just, as, as they are right now, I'd say they're a solid top five, six team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. The difference over the years has been they were like, 11 or 12 and we needed the home run just to get back to relevancy we're relevant now it's just a matter of do we take that next big step uh to your point i think they do 
if I had to bet on one, it's probably Mitchell because I think it's the easiest one to bring over and and, right. and and he wants to come over. I could see Giannis just being very loyal to Milwaukee, seems to love his life there. And Bede, I could see him going in multiple spots, including New York. But I'm good with Mitchell Robinson, baby. That's my guy. We, 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 want, our, we want our homegrown guys. Stop trying to break up the Knicks. We're good. We're happy. We're doing Stop good. Stop trying to break us up. Yes. Uh, I mean, the big thing is they changed the culture, so it's not absurd for a star want, to want to go to the Knicks, where you think where you were in the mid-2010s, where you know people wouldn't even take meetings. It wasn't even realistic for them to go. All right, let's talk UFC. You've gotten a lot of annoying texts from me over the summer. My son is just in. like that. This Love is it. his favorite sport. We get every pay-per-view. We went a couple months ago in Vegas, and we have 293s coming up this Saturday, which we'll obviously be getting in my house. Um, Give us, give us the biggest, I mean, the main event is obviously the biggest storyline, but the biggest Ario, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see how blank plays out for 293. Well, this is all about Israel Adesanya, who's one of the biggest stars in the sport today. I would say actively, I, I, I stress actively because Connor will always be the face of the UFC and the biggest star, but he just hasn't been as active. He hasn't fought since July of 2021. I would say actively, Israel is the biggest star in the sport, in large part because he connects. I, I bet your son is a big fan of his. I know like my nephews, my cousins, all kids under 20 love him. They love his celebrations. They love his fighting style. They love his social media game, all that stuff. And so he's fighting as close to home as possible. He lives in New Zealand. This is in Australia. And he's fighting a guy named Sean Strickland. Sean, yeah. Strickland, Sean Strickland is like straight out of 1991 WWF. I mean, he is a guy who has talked openly about uh, once being a, uh, a neo-Nazi. Uh, he talks about going to gas stations and seeing people who look at him the wrong way and wanting to, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, club their heads with a baseball bat. You know who he is? You know who Sean Strickland is? Sean Strickland is Remy from Higher Learning, circa oh 1993, God. Michael Rappaport. That's who he is. He actually kind of looks like Michael Rappaport, circa 1993. He said he. They just had a press conference, and I'm watching it, and and the fans are eating it up, and I'm. Like wow, I can't believe that this is what you know has you know this is what has become of UFC press conferences. But he 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 is the antithesis of Israel, and he is poking the bear, and he is saying all kinds of crazy, outlandish things. But the bottom line is, as far as the fight is concerned, Strickland is a solid fighter. But when it gets to these moments, these big fights, especially against strikers as good as Israel. He tends to just go for broke and get caught. This happened to him a year and a half ago when he fought Alex Pereira who beat Israel in November and then Izzy beat him in, in April. And a lot of people think that he's going to just kind of go out there like a Tasmanian devil and then Izzy's going to counter-strike and stop him in one or two rounds. I think this could be like an Izzy masterclass. I think he is going to try to prove a point that there is a massive gap between him and Sean and he's going to come off like a huge megastar because Australia loves him as well. And then, here's the thing, this is the bridge fight, Bill, because if, if, if Izzy wins this fight, and Hamzat Shemaev wins on October 21st in uh, Abu Dhabi. Israel versus Hamzat Shemaev could very well headline UFC 300 next spring. And that would be one of the biggest pay-per-views of all time. Those two have massive fan bases. Shemaev is a gigantic star, especially in the Muslim world. And he is an absolute killer beast. He is just so tough. He's fighting Paulo Costa on October 21st. If both these guys win this fight, the UFC has a gigantic potential main event come next spring. Where's 300 going to be, you think? Probably T-Mobile. I mean, they may go big, big and try to do Allegiant. There's no chance they they don't do it in Vegas. 
and they have a deal with T-Mobile. So I would be shocked. 200 was at T-Mobile. 100 was at Mandalay Bay. T-Mobile wasn't a thing back then. Uh, I would be shocked if 300 isn't at T-Mobile, but they haven't officially announced that yet. So this is one of the great stretches in Vegas history, if not the greatest, because they have the F1 race in November, which they're frantically building this track, and it's going to be yes. the biggest money event they've had. They have this, the, I think it's called the Sphere, yes. where U2's playing. That's Shout opening out James up. Dolan. Yeah, one of the great music venues I think that's ever been built, if not the best. They had the Super Bowl in February and then 300 in April. That's an amazing, amazing run. And I, I, I might be at all four of those. I might go four for four. Wow. And, and, and not to mention, you know, you have like the Golden Knights as the defending Stanley Cup champs just chilling there, you know, like they're, they're, right. they're the defending Stanley Cup champions. Um, yeah, no, it is incredible that they're the, doing all the, these things. The Aces, isn't that the WNBA the Aces, team? Yes. Everybody says WNBA the Aces good. So on this on this two ninety three card, top five fights, two heavyweight fights and a light heavyweight fight. As you know, I like the bigger guys with UFC. I I like because I always feel like when we get to the lower classes, you know, hey, I, I don't know, I, I just like watching big guys try to beat the shit out of each other. I'm sorry, I can't apologize. I'm a casual UFC fan. No, I get it. And the co-main is then for you. Uh, Bam Bam Taitui Vasa is one of the most like likable, beloved characters in the UFC. He's just gigantic, former rugby player. Yeah. Uh, loves to do the shoey. People love when he does that after his wins. He has lost two in a row, and he's going up against this guy named Alexander Volkov, former Bellator heavyweight champion, uh, nicknamed Drago. Looks exactly like Ivan Drago. Comes from Russia. I think he's six foot seven or six foot eight. They oh they took God. a picture of the of the face off this morning, and like Tuivasa's head is just barely in the frame because they had to get all of um, Volkov's body in there. But <laughs> I got to tell you, man, it, this is a really fascinating time in the world of MMA. Um, the 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 number two organization, Bellator, is about to be bought by the PFL, which is the number three organization. They just got an influx of about $100 million in investment from Saudi Arabia. Francis oh, Ngannou I can't believe fighting. Saudi Arabia was involved. That, the, the, they're so finally shocking. in the world of MMA now. We've been waiting for this to happen for a long time. Francis Ngannou is fighting Tyson Fury next month in, in yeah. Saudi Arabia. It's just a lot of craziness. But as far as 293 is concerned... Well, you left out, you left out the UFC-WWE merger. It's going to officially Tuesday. go through. It, it looks like next week. Yeah, next week, we're going to have all the guys over there at the uh, New York Stock Exchange. That's surreal. So we'll see what happens to both businesses, um, you know, in, in the aftermath of that. But there, there's a stretch coming up, not to mention John Jones at Madison Square Garden. November well, that's my, my son's guy. Yeah, that, oh. he wants to go. That's his go? favorite's John. He wants to go because John Jones is his guy. Like, he, he'll get in arguments, but like, John Jones, kind of a troubled last 12 years. No, no. Like, he just... He, and he does the the whirl around John Jones elbow. Oh yeah, that's like his pretend. Watch this. I'm going to do this to you. But he pulls the elbow back. But each time oh. you think you're, he's about to break your nose. Yeah, that's my idiot son. He loves How John Jones. He, I, I'm a little bit surprised because he's he's in his teens, right? Yeah, but it's YouTube. Like it's teenagers YouTube. catching up on UFC. There's like four or five guys that just jump out if you watch the right montage of different moves and. Sean O'Malley has to, he has to love Sean O'Malley, right? Well, how about, we didn't talk about that, the Sean O'Malley in Boston where <laughs> you would have thought Sean O'Malley was from East Boston or Charlestown or something. The crowd, they they were booing Sterling and Sterling's like one of the greatest guys. Isn't he like one of the best like character guys UFC's had in the last 15 years? Well, Even after the fight, they were booing him. 
Yeah, well, he's kind of rubbed some fans the wrong way with some comments, and uh, he won the belt under some somewhat controversial circumstances. So uh, I wasn't he's surprised. like a good guy. Like, he was a yeah, good no, loser. Like, he was very oh, sportsman-like. And they're like, boo! <laughs> it was, yeah, it was just classic bad. Boston. They just, they, they were like, oh, Sean O'Malley, he must be from here. We're ready for him. You, you've asked me before, like, who's the next superstar? If he could go on a run here now as champ, like, he, he's going to be in that conversation with Izzy, with John Jones. He just has it all. And he, again, he connects with that younger audience. The UFC is so on fire right now. And it's just like banger after banger after banger. How about the fact that this event, 293, they sold it out in a couple of hours without any of the top fights? Like, the main event wasn't even announced. It was just the UFC's coming to Sydney. There's probably it's it's probably just UFC and WWE as far as sports entertainment is concerned that can do that. They say like we're coming to town, let's yeah. put the tickets on sale. Like boxing can do and that. Taylor Top Swift, of, Taylor Swift, yeah. But we know what the like, we didn't even we didn't know the, the main event could have been me versus you, and and no one yeah. would have returned the tickets. That's how hot the brand is right now. It's it's crazy. So here's why I think that's the case. I think we're now in the two generation zone with UFC and even like two and a half because they have all the, the, all the kids from, I don't know, 11 to 18. That's the new generation. But now the dads kind of grew up with it, right? And mm. the dads now have the spending money that grew up when they were kids. But then they also have the older generation that just liked it when they were in their 30s and the 2000s that are now in their 50s. So really it's like three generations. So I, it just feels like, where we were in 2000, where it was this oddity and people are arguing about whether it was a human cockfight or not. Um, and the presentation's great. They do, they just do an incredible job with uh, the pay, the consistency of the pay-per-views. They're easy to find. The relationship with ESPN Plus, I think is the best ESPN Plus relationship, right? Like it, it's, it's kind of saved ESPN Plus in some ways. So uh, I just think they've figured it out and you know it's going well because Dana had that scandal and it just kind of went away. <laughs> yeah, they I mean, really, they are, literally did it. Just went away. Nobody even yeah. cares. No one said a thing. Um, they, they're the lifeline of of ESPN Plus, and I'm very curious because their deal is up in two years, and so I'm super curious to see what happens here because I think both have benefited from the relationship, right? I think the UFC has become mainstream as a result of the relationship with ESPN, and I think ESPN Plus has been a success because of the UFC. There's nothing like I was talking about this with someone yesterday. There's n no one's top content is on ESPN plus other than the UFC, right? Like the best NBA games aren't exclusively on ESPN plus their best NFL isn't on ESPN yep. plus the best UFC fights are on ESPN plus exclusively. And so that's been a brilliant move on their part and it has worked out, but I'm curious to see what happens in the next two years, because I suspect the UFC is going to ask for a lot of money and you know, oh, I, than I, I think like, that's a fair suspicion because yeah. well, they, the ESPN has NBA coming up. But UFC, which never really gets covered, is like, oh my God, NBA, they're going to have to pay through the nose. This is a big reason why their profits might go down. But I think the UFC thing, which they got at a really good deal a couple of years ago, I think that's the best deal they've made in the last 10 years. And that deal is not going to be there this time around because you're going to have streamers that are like this, like somebody like Peacock could say like, this is, this is it. Like if we don't get UFC, we might have to merge with somebody else or something. But like if Peacock got UFC and WWE, which makes sense to me because they're going to be merged as in a one company. Right. Like to me, it's, I think you're, I think you're getting both and the, and they're going to try to do the one plus one equals three would be my guess. So if ESPN loses UFC, that's a, a, you know, on top of all the other stuff that's happened, disaster. 
I, I do think UFC loves being with ESPN because they love that that legitimacy. Dana White has there's always a credibility there. Yes, yeah. they've all they love to look at the ticker and the you know the, the the logo is there and the upcoming fights. They love ESPN.com's coverage. Like they're they're very into that. But I mean, Peacock, Apple, Amazon, you know the the, the regular players. I can't see why they wouldn't go after, especially when ESPN Plus bought the pay-per-views exclusively because when the deal first started, they were still on DirecTV and in demand. But then midway through the first year, ESPN Plus said, we want all the pay-per-views exclusively. You can't go on any other platform. And initially, people were thinking like, man, did they overpay for this? Like the rumor was that they paid the equivalent to what 500,000 buys would be per show. And it's ended up being a brilliant move on ESPN's part because uh, as, as you see, like everything funnels through them. You have to subscribe to get the pay-per-views. It's been a grand slam. Well, especially as ratings just continue to go down all over the place, these things that are just guaranteed audiences is the hardest thing to find. That's why WWE has become more valuable. But with UFC, it feels like the audience is growing. Um, oh, yeah. It feels like they've, the one criticism or fear with UFC was always that um, they wouldn't be able to regenerate stars. That's not a problem. They just over and over again, they, you know, this guy goes, this guy comes in. The women's division has been huge for them. You know, when you think like where that was 15 years ago versus where it is now, like people have real opinions on all the different classes. Um, and it feels like they, I, I, I don't know how many pay-per-views they're doing a year, like the real ones. 12, what is 13. It like? 13. Yeah. I mean, honestly, they could probably do 20. It's smarter that they keep it so that they're a little more 100%. special, but they have enough fighters to do more than 12. Yeah, so, but they're doing they're doing like forty three or so shows uh, yeah. a, a, a year, which I think kind of waters down the product a little bit. But they keep obviously the big names for uh, the pay per views. However, uh, next weekend, um, not on pay per view, Alexa Grasso, Valentina Shevchenko too. Speaking of the uh, mm. the women's fighters for the flyweight title, is going to be on uh, regular ESPN, ESPN Plus. They actually got the Mexican Independence Day slot at T-Mobile before Canelo. Canelo's fighting on September 30th against Charlo. And so they got that slot, which is gigantic for them. And they're doing sort of a, they're calling it Noches UFC. And Alexa Grasso, who's from uh, Mexico, is defending her title against Shevchenko. So that's a huge, huge deal because that slot has always been reserved for Canelo and is always historically a huge, huge weekend for, um, you know, the Mexican fight fans. So that's another big thing that they're doing. That's coming up next week and that's free. I'll be interested to see how they coordinate the WWE and UFC, the events, and whether they try to basically own a weekend, stagger things a certain way where it'll be three, four-day weekends, pick certain spots in the sports schedule where it's like, you know, we just had a pretty dead August. And it's like, do we want to try to own the second week, second weekend of August? Yeah. Like, this is like the biggest weekend of the year for combat and WWE, stuff like that. All right, we, we're running out of time. So you have four minutes to refute my prediction that the Buffalo Bills will not make the playoffs this year. This is, you're so much better than this. Like I can understand you saying they're not (laughs) as good as people think. They shouldn't be Super Bowl favorites. Josh Allen's window is closed. Not making the playoffs is one of the most absurd things that I've ever heard. Loaded conference. It's, listen, there's, you can't have everybody. There's only seven seats at the dinner table, my friend. Okay, who, who, who are the seven teams that are ahead of them? Off top of your head. So I had, um, I have three coming out of the AFC North. 
Okay. And then I have Miami and I have the Pats winning a nine and eight tiebreaker against God, the Bills. Yeah. I know. That, 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 I know. That, that, I, I, I know. <laughs> you had I me. I was, I was going with the North and the Miami. Miami, I'm worried about. I'm way more worried about Miami than New York. I think we're going to lay the smackdown on New York's ass on, on Monday night. It's going to be tremendous. Um, but Miami makes me nervous. I'll be honest with you. You know, sometimes I come on here and I have like this very, you know, loud, brash stance. Bill's bravado. Towards, yeah. Yes. I, I don't have that. And it's more, I'm trying to do reverse psychology. I feel like last year we were a little too cocky. And I almost feel like I couldn't enjoy the season because every misstep was was just crushing. It's like, oh my God, no, we're supposed to be in Glendale. We're supposed to win the Super Bowl. This is not the way the story is supposed to play out. And I just think they lost steam towards the end. Yeah, A few things have happened in the offseason that I don't love. Um, in particular, the relationship between Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen. I'm just not quite sure what the hell is going can, on over give there. Give us the 25 seconds on that. So is there, I don't know. How it's much of seems- it is real and how much of it is just people just have nothing to talk about? The fact that they keep having to address it and even the way in which they do address it makes me feel like there is something there. And let's yeah. be honest, the end of that Bengals game felt like something was there. Um, McDermott it took over the the defensive coaching, uh, you know, defensive duties. That makes me a little bit nervous as well because I don't know if he is the guy that could ultimately get them over the hump. Um, I really miss Brian Dayball. Uh, I, I think I think that 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 was the guy that should have stayed as head coach ultimately in retrospect. Oh, but, interesting. Uh, yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy that should have stayed. He's incredible. I love that guy. I mean, don't you I know. agree? Oh, I picked the Giants to make the playoffs really because of him. I think he's one of the best five coaches. I just yeah, feel like I, he's got to go ten and him and Vrabel. I'm just like if they have a healthy team and they're pretty good, like they'll get them the ten wins somehow. Ultimately, so. though, we win the AFC East. I keep thinking about 13 seconds. I keep wondering if that was the time because we would have beaten the Bengals. We would have beaten the Rams. Um, I, I just mm. can't stop thinking and harping on that. I am a pessimist. But your take about them not making the playoffs is absolute lunacy. They're so, going to make the playoffs. So the case is we have Josh Allen. There's no way we'll win less than 10 games because we have Josh Allen. A thousand percent. Yeah. That's it. But that's the only case. No, but they I, you don't good. love I'm, the team. It's not like you have like a super talented. Bills no, team. we've got solid. I mean, if if Diggs You're is solid. back, no, we got Gabe Davis. The defense is solid. Eventually, Gabe we're getting Davis. Von Miller back. Come on, Gabe Davis Come four on. touchdowns against the no Chiefs. pass rush. I actually think no. you're going to lose to the Jets. By the way, that is possible. There's going to be a lot of adrenaline, a lot of excitement over that. The Jets are not for real. You, you agree with this? Yes. Oh, I totally agree. I totally the agree. They, the the Jets fans. It's the most fascinating sociological experiment this year. Is the Jet the Jets fans with a ton of hype, and you have the Browns fans with some hype, you have the Bills fans with some hype, and the no, Lions no. fans you, and the Lions fans. Put- These are tortured fan bases who believe this year. It's hilarious. You're putting us in there with the Lions, the Jets, and the Browns. The Lions, Jets, and Browns are pretenders as tortured fan bases. Contend- yes, but we are contenders. We have been in the game over the last three, four years. Like we've made the AFC Championship game. We're, we're not those guys. Lions are just hoping to make the playoffs. We're, we're, I, we're, we're, I was we're more from a, another division. Hi- from a tortured history standpoint, I think you guys are all going to the same support group. <laughs> that is true. But I do feel like we're <laughs> a lot further along than those guys. And the big difference is we have the best quarterback of that bunch. Agreed? I think he's, he's one of two guys that you can say this guy guarantees us 10 wins. Burrow, okay. I, I'm almost there. Um, but I just, you know, what if he misses three games and what, the punishment that he takes game to game, week to week. And, you know, you saw it last year, as soon as he got hurt, the team, the destiny of the team changed. 
Uh, speaking of best of the bunch, we have, I think, the best MMA pod, the Ringer MMA show. Yes. Um, with our guys, PT and it. Chuck. Is Chuck, did he, we, I know we have to go, but Chuck, do you feel a, a, a change in his demeanor since the Nuggets won the title? Is he just happier? <laughs> Does he seem peaceful? What is it? A thousand percent. You nailed it peaceful, but also I still feel like he's on cloud 10. Like I still feel like he's yeah. floating in the air. He's one of the biggest Nuggets fans and it was great that you had him on. Uh, I, I still feel that joie de vivre oozing out of yeah. him. It feels like mid-June when you still speak to him. But yes, thank you for the shout out. We'll be doing a post show after 293. Uh, we do a weekly show every Thursday and then after every pay-per-view post show exclusively on our Spotify feed. And uh, yeah, it's been great with the guys. I, I, uh, I adore doing the show with them and um, long may it continue. Awesome. Awesome to see you. Uh, enjoy UFC 293. I'll talk to you during the season. NFL. Thanks, Bill. This episode is brought to you by Burger King, which has the greatest commercial song I think I've ever heard. The ultimate hunger hack has arrived, my friends. BK's Royal Crispy Wraps. Choose from four bold flavors, classic, spicy, honey mustard, and the new, drumroll please, fiery buffalo. Oh yeah, I'm getting that one. They're only, only just $2.99 each because at BK, have it your way, you roll. Try Royal Crispy Wraps at Burger King, $2.99 each. Price and participation vary, U.S. only. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I understand that some things you just want to keep private. Maybe it's something you don't want anyone to know, or maybe you think it's something minor, so why bother? But if you keep everything bottled up, if you let those emotions sit there and fester, it could be really, really bad for you. Sometimes it depends on what kind of family you're from. Like my dad's family is one of those, they bottle everything up, bottle everything up, and then they all just get mad at each other. Listen, talking things through is more helpful than you think. If you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend some therapy. Think about the things you can get out of therapy. First of all, a sounding board. You can learn better coping skills. You can learn how to set some boundaries, maybe how to empower yourself a little better day to day. And if you want to give therapy a try, well, I have an answer, better help a convenient and flexible way since it's entirely online right now. It's easy to get started too. You can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Bill Simmons today to get 10% off your first month. That is betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Bill Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Peloton Spring the best time of the year to dial your fitness routine up a notch. You know it's going to happen. It's going to get warm. You're going to start wearing shorts. You're going to start wearing bathing suits. You're, just, you're not going to be able to cover up behind those big coats anymore. Also, it's nice outside. Get outside. Do stuff. Or if you don't have time to get outside, I got Peloton for you. Whether you have five or 60 minutes, Peloton's workouts were made to challenge you. Classes like boot camps, Full body strength, boxing, marathon training are created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in and you won't feel bad about not being outside. Peloton's expert coaches, challenging classes, and nonstop vibes will keep you coming back for more. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. All right, our guy Ben Thompson is here. Tortured Bucks fan. Are you tortured again? The title was like two years ago. Are you back to being tortured? I've not been on this show for a long time because we were planning on doing a podcast during the inevitable Buck Celtics series, which uh, 
did not materialize. Uh, no. So yes, I am back to being tortured. What's your What's your Giannis's leaving panic meter right now? Between on a scale of one to ten, one. I mean, uh, the like there's a, there's this. I am a Giannis fan, and there is the Bucks are old, and it would be irresponsible for him to sort of blindly sign an extension. I think the reality, from my perspective, is he stayed in Milwaukee. He won a title. I would love it if he spent his whole career there and the Bucks had a competitive team. I also am not sure how I'd feel about sort of like a Dirk Nowitzki sort of outcome where he's just sort of on, you know, not good enough teams in the long run. So, I mean, I hope he does what's right for himself. But regardless, yeah, there will not be any hard feelings on my side and I'll cheer for him wherever he goes. Well, did, did they have more brothers he can sign or like, like how many? Oh, he, can they start signing clear. cousins? And just to be clear, Thanasis is on the team and it is ridiculous. The other brother, Costas, that was, he was cut within 24 hours. That was just okay. to get him onto the G League team. So uh, there's a lot of misinformation floating around. The Bucks are nepotistic, but only to one brother, not to multiple. <laughs> or to the extent they are, it's with the G League. So got to set the Very record fair. straight. All right, so you wrote an awesome piece about ESPN earlier this week and what's going on with uh, the charter deal, which I've been just watching and just kind of reading everything and listening to everything, and there's been some good pieces and podcasts about it. You had, I think, the most comprehensive one that basically laid out, we're having a moment right now where for the first time, we've seen the cable companies kind of stare down ESPN and go, go ahead. We don't care. Yeah. Like, we're good if you're not around. And ESPN has always been able to lord over these cable companies. We have all these sports. You can't have a you can't have a cable bundle without us. And here's our price. And this is just it. And this is what you'll pay. Almost like, you know, the mafia in the 1950s. Oh, it was and worse now, than that. It wasn't worse than that. It's not just that you're going to pay our price but you're also going to carry ESPN2 and you're also going to carry ESPNU and ESPN, and ESPN Classic, News, right? And you're going to carry Disney and Dis the Disney Channel. And I remember when the first virtual uh, MVPD came up, which is like where like YouTube TV is, is the biggest one right now, where you can basically get the whole cable package, but in an app. The first one was Sling TV. And Sling TV launched with a very limited package of channels, most of which seem to be mostly sports oriented. So obviously ESPN was on there, TBS and TNT were on there. But there was one weird channel on there, which was Maker TV. And I don't know if you remember, but Maker TV was downstream of a YouTube channel that Disney bought. And they like made it into a cable TV channel. It's like, why is Maker, Maker TV on here? Oh, right. Because that was the price of getting ESPN. So ESPN, people talk about making 10 bucks per subscriber. Its actual value is much greater because they're making, what, 25 cents on Maker TV? Put that in ESPN's bank account. Like it, the, the amount... The, the power they've had, and it's gone back to the very, very beginning. Like ESPN, the entire affiliate fee model was pioneered by ESPN. It was pioneered over the screaming, pounding the table objections of cable operators, but they could do it because sports got people to sign up for cable and it kept them on cable when satellite came along or when IPTV came along. And the, and the problem is, they got greedy. They took so much money out of it that it's not, th th there's no like reason to hold on to it. And now YouTube TV, it's sitting right there. You can keep your broadband with Charter and watch the game on YouTube TV. 
And it's not great for them. They would rather you have TV there because it's sticky. It keeps you on the platform. But it's like ESPN's already gone over the top. It's already available on the internet. It's just available via YouTube TV or or Hulu Live or whatever it might be. But it it destroyed Disney's leverage. And it it is shocking. Like you thought this happened. It'd be play out like every other episode that this has happened. But media is like, actually, no. For the first time ever, ESPN does not have leverage. And that is, it's a, it's an earthquake. It really is. I remember like 2010 range and we were trying to figure out, this was after we, 30 for 30 started taking off and we were like, ESPN Classic was still one of the channels that was on there. And me and somebody else came up with this whole plan to like, let's turn ESPN Classic into like the sports movie classic games channel that's fucking awesome. People love it. We'll get the rights to every, we priced it out. We figured out what it would cost to get the sports movies. And we, we really spent a lot of time on it. And the feedback that we got back was, we don't need to spend money on that. It's like a ghost ship, basically. It doesn't cost us anything. Right. We, we forced the cable companies to take it. And it's like, it's almost like you're at dinner and you're like, yeah, throw on five desserts because the, the restaurant's comping it. Yeah, we'll right. do some desserts and we'll take some dessert wine. That was ESPN Classic. And I just think that stuff catches up with you when, you, when you're treating the business like that forever. And the other thing that's interesting is I can, all right, so I don't have it on my cable, but I have ESPN Plus, right? So I'm actually okay because I do have cable, but I can still get ESPN. It's just like this extra like two steps now where I have to go to the app then I have to see the boxes. Then I have to click on first take or whatever it is. I can still get it. So part of me wonders, you don't think there's any piece of this that ESPN is trying to see during football season, how much it will affect their business if people don't have cable? Well, no, but the, you can't get it. Because if you want to watch what is on the ESPN cable channel on the ESPN app. So like, but in the, the, the big date that everyone should be paying attention to is Monday night. Monday night football, Jets versus Bills, both are spectrum markets. There's nationwide interest, particularly because, you know, Aaron Rodgers being on, being on the Jets. Another person who I don't begrudge for the record, the, I, I blame the Packers for that one. Uh, actually, for mismatching his entire career, but that's a completely different, different discussion. <laughs> <It's fair. laughs> but that, that, that is, that's going to be the, the, the big question because those are only available through the bundle. You can't get it through the app. If you try to get in the app, it'll ask you to sign in and you have to sign in with your, cable carrier, which is Spectrum, which means yep. it's not it's not going to work. Ben Thompson, you're not pulling this shit on me because I'm just going to use my dad's cable sign-up stuff in Boston because he's I mean, Xfinity. And I'm going to be back in, baby. I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to discuss uh, how I get access to American TV in Taiwan. <laughs> but despite the fact that uh, my cable service that I was somehow watching was Spectrum, I have figured out yeah. an alternative. You basically, you basically well, have but, to cheat. But yeah, it was kind of jaw-dropping to all of a sudden, the ESPN.com, and it's like, oh, all right. And then I just ended up using my dad. But right. you're right. Like, so Bill's Jets it's, it's because, will be it's because the big limit test. Yeah. yeah. It's because you use your dad. And, and, and this is something the cable companies have complained about for ages. They're like, you make it super easy to steal our streams. And the other big thing is everything that makes a cable bundle valuable has been stripped away. Every good show has gone on to streaming. And the, the problem with that is 
for a bundle to succeed, you need to sort of appeal to lots of people who are interested in lots of different things. That's sort of the benefits. And over time, what all these Hollywood studios did is we can go after streaming. We can get a multiple like Netflix, which obviously all this looks very stupid now, but that was sort of sort of thinking a while ago. And don't worry, we'll still have cash flow from our from our cash cow because of sports. Sports will sort of sort of keep us there. And they failed to anticipate two things, which I think should have been clear you know, at the time. Number one, if you have nothing but sports, you're going to lose everyone doesn't care about sports. I mean, it sounds obvious, but apparently it wasn't obvious enough. It's really sort of accelerated. Uh, number two is if your entire business is dependent on sports, the sports leagues will realize that and they will do to you what you're doing to the cable companies, which is exactly what has happened. You have these massive deals that have come along, not just the previous NBA deal, but the, the you know, the, the, NF, the NFL deals, the big 10 was a big one sort of right. last year. And, and so ESPN is sort of stuck in the middle and it's, it's not great. It's, it's really not a great place to be. I mean, in a, this sort of value chain where whoever like squeezes the most value out, usually one company tends to win. And so you have this situation where ESPN was the winner. They would just squeeze, 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 squeeze. And the cable companies are not winning here. Like, it, again, it's bad for them to lose TV because it helps keep customers. It helps to acquire customers. There's lots of benefit to having a bundle, all those sort of bundled with internet, all those sorts of things. But at the end of the day, their big business is internet. That's where they make money is by selling broadband. And, and this is what you laid out in your piece. Like this is how, this was the shift that that's happened. What shifts, the last that's right. Years. That's where all their money happens. And so there, it's not that they now have leverage over ESPN. It's that they now have the luxury of not caring. And it's like, look, you don't want to play ball. And what Charter is asking is that Disney include the free the ad. So sorry, the ad supported version of Disney Plus with the bundle. So if you sign up to to Spectrum which is their cable service, you also get Disney Plus ad supported as part of that bundle. And they're like, what? That's just putting back the content that you've taken away. And mm. I think, number one, I think they have a point. Number two, the problem with Disney and with all these studios is they want to double dip. They want to both triple, get all how about the money triple from cable. Yeah, well, yeah. And then they also want to get money for streaming. And the reality is the, the cost of the cable bundle has increases outpaced inflation for years, for years and years and years, because they were shielded. Customers were shielded from, from the actual negotiations. They just got mad at their cable provider for the prices going up, which for spectrum customer service agents, you know, they, they've just been dealing with shit for decades and now they're probably like, they're getting the most of it right now. But, but now it, that wasn't enough. They had to also get streaming and Disney's like, well, we don't want to give up our subscribers who signed up for Disney plus we want them to pay us twice. And, and, at some point, they have to face reality. You're not going to end up with customers going from paying 100 bucks five years ago to paying 300 bucks in, in 10 years. There's going to be a consolidation. And, and, I, and they're like, what? The tech companies are going to save us? Ask every other industry in the world how well that went. Yeah, the double, triple dip. Because there was that one point when they were going, you got ESPN and Hulu and Disney. You all together, and it's for this new price of blank, right? It's right, like, oh, that sounds up like a good like, deal. They're like, oh, I thought that was the real ESPN. No, it's right. just the fake ESPN. Yeah, it's like, I'm still paying for ESPN on my Spectrum. So I remember, and I've talked about this before in the pod, but you could feel this shifting in the last two years I was at ESPN, where yep. for the first time, the subs started going backwards. 
And I think it peaked at 100, maybe summer of 2013. And not just that, the- it peaked at 67%. I think that's the number. It's either the revenue or profit for Disney. Like right. Disney was basically the ESPN company. And that's it's not the case anymore. Well, and they were making, I think it was like seven or eight billion profit. And they had what everybody who knew anything about this stuff would say, this is the single greatest media deal anybody's ever made, where they just people like my mom are paying $9 for ESPN who would yep. literally not watch one second of ESPN. Yep. Now we're flipping. And I think the only thing in their favor for the cable companies with, if like this is really going to be a standoff going forward, I think about like my mom and my dad and my wife's mom and how much time we spend trying to fix their ability to get into apps Yep. Where they, if people are over 70, like they just like, what's my Hulu? My dad can't get into his Hulu right now. He couldn't watch <laughs> Justified, right? There's just so much confusion and I got and I got knocked out and now I can't get back in. And for those people, cable is super easy. Like my yep. mom just moved to a different place and she was like, I got, I'm going to get cable. I'm like, just don't get cable. Just do streaming. You don't even need cable. She's like, oh, see, that no, was no. By you. Stick- you, you don't, you don't want to be in the customer support business. Oh, well, she was like, well, I need the internet anyway. And they offered the cable. So I'm going to get the basic package and I can watch CNN. And I was like, well, you can watch CNN on, you know, just hop on my thing. No, I like having the channels. So cables basically feels like it's moving toward people 50 and up who are too intimidated by all these apps and stuff. And then the younger people who know how to navigate this whole app world, regardless, it's bad for ESPN because now there's like these two different audiences that seem like they've split. Like, do you agree with that theory or what am I missing? No, I mean, there's a, actually there's a lot to unpack there. So number, number one, the old people bit is actually a super important piece, which is they are going to be the core subscribers going forward, which is why when Bob Iger is talking about spinning out channels, it's probably going to be to like a private equity. Remember they bought up all those newspapers. They didn't, they didn't buy up the newspapers to invest in them and make them better. They bought them up because old people were going to subscribe until they died. And that's kind of like what's going to happen with cable, right? There's just, it's going to throw up. Because they don't know how to cancel the subscription. And it's just like, ah, I'm used to paying for this. And then they just keep going. Yeah. That's number one. Number two, but the young, the young people issue is, to my mind, so th- this is a big problem for sports in general, this ESPN issue, because if ESPN can't squeeze the cable companies, the sports leagues can't squeeze ESPN. Their ability to squeeze is downstream from that. So that is in the short term, that's their big issue. Their larger issue in the long term is who are the fans of the future? How do you actually acquire them? It When every house had cable, then the game was always on. Like this has been a huge problem for RSNs. We saw this thing happening with the Phoenix Suns, which has you know been sort of very interesting. Where number one, if no one has cable, how, how do they even start to become a fan of fan of the team? And and, and the the RSNs were even more extreme than ESPN in trying to squeeze money out. Squeeze. Well, money you're out. talking about the Suns said, "Screw it, our games the are Sun free." The Suns said, "Screw it, we're please watch, games please free. watch them. We don't want you to pay for this." Yeah, no, exactly. It, which was doesn't make sense economically in the short term, but it is absolutely the right sort of move in the long run. And it, the other thing is not just it being available, it's being discoverable. Like if you, it's a real difference in go to market if you're not just, you know, use too many sort of like business terms here, but if something people can stumble upon it versus they have to find it and search for it. And, and if they have to find it and search for it, 
Like you have the amount of investment it takes to get it in their head that this is available, that they need to go look for it. And to your point, the whole TV ecosystem, app ecosystem is such a mess. Where do you even start to search, right? Like, like, are you going to tell your dad about, oh, go to this website and you put in a thing and you're going to you know, tell you go to this app and then you download XYZ. What's going to actually happen is the tech companies are going to solve this. And they're, they're going to have like the Amazon sports app and you're going to go in that Amazon sports app and it's going to say, here it is. And you click a button. If you have the app installed, it'll launch. And if you don't, it will say, download this app and subscribe. And you download this app, subscribe. It'll be easy because it's your Amazon credentials. And guess what? Amazon is going to take their cut. They're like right now it's 30% when you sign up for apps. You say, oh, if you're in our sports app, we're going to take 40%. We're going to whatever it is. Like these companies have no, they don't understand how good they had it with the cable companies. Yes, they fought back and forth over rates, but the cable companies at the end of the day were just dumb pipes. They put all the packages together. They did all the work to plug them all in, to have stores of customer support, to do all this work for them. And they're all greedy. And they think that in, in like, and it's insane. They gave up one of the best business models of all time. That's already dead. And what's going to happen is they're going to end up in the arms of the tech companies. And that, that again, that's not going to end well for them. This is exactly what tech companies are good at. They're good right. at helping people find stuff. And the price of that is all your profits. Well, 25 years ago, ESPN was the one who was good at this stuff. Like the stuff George Bodenheimer did when he was president and the stuff he did with his with the cable bundles. And he just locked in this price that then just became the price. Everyone yep. knew it was the wrong price. It was like, no, nah, that's our cut. That's the deal. Take it or leave it. Um, you make a great point on the Amazon app. I don't even think people fully understand how much Apple makes from those apps. Like just, it, it, yep. it's not just a VIG. This is like a 30% cut. And like every month forever. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I think it might go down if it's more than a year or something like that. It varies. I don't know. But yeah, both Amazon and Apple and Google's getting into this game too. I think that the reason why they got the Sunday ticket was to sort of have an anchor tenant for their like sort of, I don't know, they're calling it channels or whatever it is sort of to, to buy these sort of streaming services. And yeah, it, it's just a natural next step. Apple actually tried to do this in like 2015 or 2016 to have this universal interface. Uh, it, it didn't work out then because streaming was ascended. Netflix was top of the world, right? right. But, but what's happened today is we've gotten saturation and the issue that all these companies face is not customer acquisition, it's churn prevention. Churn is what obliterates a, a sort of subscription business. And the problem here is, number one, you've made your price visible to customers when it used to be hidden in the cable bundle. Number two, you've made it easy to cancel. Easy to cancel is great for the customer and it's terrible for business. And, and, and so they have this issue where, like, I think Charter actually has it right. They're saying Disney... Bring your streaming service into the bundle. I'm sure they're going to make the same offer everyone else. And this is actually good. Yes, you don't get a double dip. But number one, that wasn't sustainable in the long run. And number two, if your service is part of a bunch of other services, people aren't going to cancel. And, and like that, that is really, really important. And I, I don't know, like they just all these you can understand it. They built their bones. They built their business on this old model. They can't let go of it. And they can't realize that, look, John Malone, who was pounding on the table 40 years ago, mad at ESPN for raising rates, and now he's on the board of charter, like getting his final revenge. Oh, yeah. He needs to be your partner. Like that's actually going to be the best outcome for you. But the best thing doesn't always happen in business and it probably won't here either. 
So two mistakes ESPN made or ESPN slash Disney and then one that worked out, right? One was they waited too long to really get tech, to get the ESPN app, the Disney app, all that stuff. It was like about two years. They started, I think, after they should have and they were outsourcing a lot of it. And then they frantically tried to fix that. But it was, but they did they buy got Bam, a late which start. is good technology, but yeah. Yeah, they got, but they got a late start. I think in retrospect, they might've started that whole thing sooner. The, um, the good thing they did was the UFC deal because I think, I think that was really smart. And we talked to Ariel about that actually before you, but just, um, they got a really good price on that and it was able to drive the ESPN plus stuff. The not getting in on gambling in time, I think was a pretty big mistake. Not massive, not, not going to tilt the company, but to watch them. You kind of understand it though, right? Like that's, that's not really Disney. Well, but they would have said that about UFC too. And then they got into UFC, you know, and they had a chance, I think, to be one of the power players in it four or five years ago. And they waited, they waited, they waited. Then they belatedly got in where it just seemed like they grabbed some money. But when I look at like, it's not like they're going under. It's not like they're going to lose money next year. But I think the difference is they were the ATM machine for ES, for uh, Disney forever. Yep. And now it's like, I think it's down to like three, 3 billion profits, but then the NBA deal hasn't happened yet. The UFC deal is coming in two years. Well, I now think you're we, losing more subs. Like what is that ask, number going to look like? We got to ask about the NBA deal, man. I mean, the, the NBA is in a bad spot that they did not get this deal done before this happened. Because again, a bad the, spot for the NBA, you mean a bad spot for the NBA because, you know, it, it, the NBA, they bring a lot of inventory to the table. That's what they'll tell you left and right. Like we fill up all these weeknights in the, in the middle of winter and spring when, when, you know, nothing else is on and it's high value content. And the finals are, are, are pretty well watched and all, 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 all the things that they, they, they will tell you about. But the issue is if you're going sort of over the top and that's sort of the future for ESPN and in this world where the customer is in control and you refuse to sort of bundle, what's preventing your your subscriber from subscribing in August, watching the NFL season and unsubscribing in February? And they don't really care about the NBA. And, right. and, and like and the NBA is out here saying we're going to like triple our rights deal. That's not going to happen. I mean, I, I'm sure they will get a deal done, but I but this is the worst possible time for them, because, again, their whole bit about being able to triple their rights deal or extract all this money from ESPN, it's dependent on ESPN being able to extract that money from the cable carriers. And if the cable carriers say no. Where's the money going to come from? Like, like, and, and this, you have this extra bit when ESPN does go over the top and make just the the real ESPN app available, not just the like the the, the sort of neutered one. Like, it's going to take a while to sign up customers. That's why they want to get a partner to help them out because, like, it just takes time to build up that revenue to make up for revenue that they're losing. And the last thing you can afford at that time is having to pay out billions and billions of dollars on a rights deal. So again, I think that the same. Safe thing to say, safe to say is number one, this will probably be resolved, but it might not be. Uh, number two, the NBA will probably get an increase, but it's not as sure as it seemed literally a week ago. Right. Well, so or the I think degree NBA, of it, I should say, I'm sure it will go up, but you, you get my point. Well, two things with NBA. Yeah, it's going to go up, but is it going to go up two times as much? And the predictions of we're going to have twice as much money in the salary cap, stuff like that. Two things on the on the NBA deal that I think are interesting. One is that I don't know what kind of, you know, competitor Warner Brothers is when Warner Brothers is cutting money left and right. They own Turner. 
Turner's well, the other, always the other pro- perennially had <laughs> half of it. Yeah. Well, the re- they're even more dependent than Disney on the cash flow from their cable channels. It, totally. And they're doing the same thing. They've double dipped. They took all their good content off. They put it on HBO Max. And if Charter turns around and does the same thing to TNT, sub, it, that's going to go downstream to, to what can TNT afford to pay the NBA? Well, and then also if you're the NBA... And I, you know, they've always wanted their stuff on cable. That's why ESPN and Turner got the last deals. And it's, that's where the people are. That's the old school credibility of just being on an old school TV network, things like that. I don't know. Does that exist in the same way anymore? Like they we're tonight we have, we're taping this before Chiefs Lions tonight, but it's going to be on Amazon, right? And people are going to watch it. We, I don't know if the rating is exactly the same as it would have been on NBC, but it'll be, you know, people will see it. And do you need that same, oh no, we have to be on cable because that's the way we've always done it. I think Warner Brothers is going to lose that side of it and maybe they'll get like a token here. You've been our partner for so long. Here's this little whatever. But I think one of those conferences for the playoffs is going on Apple or Amazon or wherever. And I think NBC slash Universal is going to be a real threat to the ESPN side of things. And they have some of the same limitations ESPN has. But I, I think, you know, I, I just don't think it's a slam dunk. We have either partner back. Yeah, I mean, before last week, I would have said it's going to be the same two for sure. And the reason is, again, they both companies need the cash flow. And and in a cable context, the NBA does make a lot of sense. And and they have the existing franchises. So that that would have been my case. This bit about what if the cable, what if other companies do what Charter is doing does change the calculus a bit. I would still sort of favor those two. But the the other thing I would add is the NFL is different. Like the NFL, like we talk, uh, you talk about like print, like with the internet did a print and newspapers. We talked about, you know, b- buying newspapers so you can collect money from people until they die, right? Very morbid yeah. thought. The exception here is the New York Times. You can't use the New York Times to talk about newspapers because they've actually figured out how to build like a worldwide franchise with direct subscribers. And like and, and what they've done is they've ba- the New York Times has basically taken the market of every other newspaper. It, you could be living in Madison, Wisconsin. Are you going to subscribe to the, in, the crappy Wisconsin State Journal? Or you describe the New York Times. New York Times. There's no more geographic constraint to what you're going to mm. subscribe to. And so there's a bit where the lessons you take from that aren't really applicable to everyone else. And I think that applies to the NFL. The NFL is so dominant. The NFL could go direct. The NFL is, is, is happy to outsource all the work to these other channels. But even then, even you go back to that first ESPN deal with the NFL, the NFL takes basically all the money. Now, ESPN would do that deal because it benefits the rest of the channel. It gets yeah. people to sign up Halo for ESPN. Effect. They get the, exactly. It wouldn't in the promo a bit and the highlights and all those sorts of things. There's stuff that comes with the NFL that goes with it. The, the issue for the NBA is, is it's not clear that they're that, that they have that sort of broad based effect. Like this is where the chatter about ratings and stuff like that over the last decade, it actually did matter. One of the challenges of the internet is once you go direct to consumer, Number one, you're exposing your price to consumers when it was hidden before. And number two, consumers can't like it's performance based. It's are they actually watching or not? Are they actually subscribed or not? Cable TV has never been performance based. It just everyone signed up by default. Like and so you have all these companies that don't even have the the muscles to operate in a performance based world, and that goes for all the content too. Like that goes for 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 including the NBA. 
I don't know how it plays out. I'm with I you. I think ESPN is still a favorite. <laughs> I think Warner Brothers is not a favorite anymore. I just think the the money that they've been cutting back and how panicked they seem to be about the budgets in general. And I just... Right, but they're cutting on streaming. The, the, the key thing is because they still get a lot of money from the cable bundle. And the number one reason why they make money with the cable bundle is TNT. And it's because of the NBA. Like the NBA is like the winch but they, pin. But of you their just cash laid flow. out the case. The cable, the cable companies know this, right? Well, right. The, well, so it's well, like you're it, gonna you're gonna pay all this money for the NBA because of the relationship you have with us. So let's change the terms. Right. No, that's exactly right. Like it definitely is much much more in the air than than sort of sort of it was previously. And I mean, at the, at the end of the day, the cable companies do they really do want TV. It is worth pointing out, right? Like all these new fiber buildouts, you know, that are like just just internet, right? And they'll come packaged with like YouTube TV. Though that's real that's that's the real threat to cable is that you start getting your internet somewhere else. And so if you habituate people to using things like YouTube TV, yes, you win this dispute with ESPN, but you're actually laying the groundwork for you to lose the customer in the long run, they would rather have the bundle. They'd rather have everything sort of wrapped together. So there, there is interest on that side to make a deal. But I, I think that basically bundles are good for everyone. That's the other thing. The NBA, it was like, oh, the NBA can just go direct to customers. No, they can't. No, like, if they, to get the same money with the, with the current number of customers, the price would have to be like $50 per customer per month which not only are you going to lose people because it's too high, but also how are you going to ever get new fans if it, if access your games at $50 a month? Being on ESPN is good for the weeks. So we have to tip over from this extraction approach to, look, we have to find actual win-win solutions here. It, it, like from day one, ESPN versus the cable networks versus the content providers has been this oppositional fight. We're fighting over who gets what. And the only way any of them are going to survive is they actually start partnering and figuring out things that work for both of them or else, again, the tech's just going to take everything. Well, you talk about threat. This is a good thing to end on. The bigger threat, even bigger than everything we've just talked about, is the under 25 generation. Because right, we talked about watch the, sports. the over 50 generation and people like my dad and my mom, they're just used to having cable and you're always going to have those people, but eventually they're going to age out. Then there's like our kind of generation where we can navigate both worlds. And then there's my 18-year-old daughter and 15-year-old son who literally don't know what channel to go to to watch a show. They're, they just go to Netflix, they go to YouTube, and they go to TikTok. And that's it. And that's going to be the next generation of quote-unquote cable bundle buyers, and they're not going to care. There's yep. not. Yep. And are, and are they going to even watch games, right? Are they just going to be happy watching highlights or what flows past sort of on on social media? I the, watched the, it with the, my son last year. He followed the NBA season through TikTok. Yep. Like he really did. He, he, he would sit down and watch like maybe a half a quarter or a quarter, but he always knew what was going on and he would get his information from these fucking weirdos on TikTok and YouTube. <laughs> these guys who you know are just I mean? like, top five dunks of the day, number five. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just this, it's like, what, what world is this? Are these people going to replace me? They just shout. We just want a new channel for, for ringer. That was that, that, the ringer. That was excellent. Um, well, I mean, the, 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 at the end, of the, the thing with digital is everything's just bits, right? That's part of the reason all this stuff can sort of shift around and it can be duplicated endlessly. Like that's the magic of the internet. 
And it is not so magical if you're a content producer that is used to having sort of scarce control of your content. But the real issue is that on the internet, in this world, the only scarce resource is time. It's it's the users, the, the viewers' attention. And there's so much competition for that today. That, you know, the, from TikTok, from social media, from video games, from from the, the fact that we still have like five gazillion hours of TV produced every year to all these sports, right? Like I mean, I've gotten yeah. into F1 recently. When I'm watching an F1 game, I'm not watching a basketball game. Like, like and, and this, this world of abundance where the core fan base for all these American sports were people like you and I, who on a Sunday afternoon would watch the NBA and NBC and like, you, you know, and like that was the game of the week and you sit there and watch it with your dad. Like the very idea of that is nonsensical today. And the question is who's going to put up with watching two and a half hour games that have 14 reviews and yeah, people aren't trying. The stars are sitting out like it's it, the, the 10 year, 15 year, 20 year risk is absolutely massive. Yeah, I don't know if this is how it's going to play out, but it does remind me of what was happening to as the internet was really starting to win in that 04 to 06 range. And we had all of these legacy magazines and newspapers. Yep. That were it's like, exactly what's going to happen. They were, and I was watching it. I even think I might have given a couple of interviews back in the day, but watching it, and it was like, Sports Illustrated doesn't get it. Like the internet's going to beat Sports Illustrated. They're like, yep. we're Sports Illustrated. We're fine. And yep. All of a sudden, you're not fine. The other thing, and I may or may not have some personal experience with this from the last few years, but if you have a bad strategy or a strategy that um, isn't going to totally work, but it takes a couple of years to unwind a strategy yep, and to audible to the strategy that might have a better chance. And I think with some of this stuff, like you can't just all of a sudden say, oh, shit, it's time for plan B where the cable money is not going to be there. This is like a multi-year. Now we got to do this and this chess piece has to go here. And it's not something you just flick in two minutes. Yeah, so well, that's, I, that's one of the challenges for, for, for Disney is Bob Iger has been talking over the last few months. Well, yeah, ESPN is definitely going over the top. They're like, when's it going to happen? He's like, I'm not going to say, but I have a date. I have a pretty good date sort of in mind. And it's like, that is the attitude and approach of a company that's on top that has control that, that uh, and mm. the the problem, the, the biggest sign that ESPN is no longer on top and doesn't have control is what's happened this week. Like reality is happening to them. They've right. been dictating reality for everyone in the, in the cable ecosystem for 40 years. And suddenly it's getting dictated to them and they, I think are completely unprepared. It's a whole new world. Like even Nathan Hubbard, our friend was so excited that Taylor Swift just said, yeah, screw it. I'm just going to release this concert film and I'm just going directly to the distributor. Matt Bellany did a good no, job. She made a deal with AMC. Yeah. With uh, AMC. She's like, I'm just going yeah. right to AMC. I don't need the middleman anymore. I'm just going to do it this way. And it's like, whoa. Uh, okay. And that's just shit like that's going to keep happening. It feels like we're entering this wild, wild west world that kind of like the last time we've been in a situation like this was the late 90s. Yeah. When something well, was clear. And then we haven't even talked about AI well, yet, which is the well, other we've thing. Gone through, what we've got, what it is, you, you nailed it on the head. What we are going through is a replay of the newspaper magazine demise where, where the internet comes along. It's like, wow, we can reach so many new customers. This is great. And it's like, oh, wow, everyone in the world can reach so many more customers. Suddenly, our advantage 
was not based on our August name. It was based on the fact that we had a geographic monopoly or we had access to newsstands. And immediacy. And available. Yes. And, and that once that went away and you didn't have the cost structure to sort of compete, you were carrying these huge costs, these huge legacy newsrooms and print operations that just made it unviable. It's great for me. I'm a one person sort of shop. I can like, I have low costs. The internet is a big advantage, but I'm starting from scratch. You're not sort of coming from again. I mean, this is one of the most overused phrase of, in general is that Hemingway quote, you know, how'd you go bankrupt, you know, gradually then suddenly, but it's <laughs> difficult to imagine a situation where that's more appropriate than here, where this, this bit about the, the cord cutting has been going on. And by the way, like four or five years ago, cord cutting sharply accelerated. And the reason it accelerated was for years, Charter and, and Comcast and all these cable companies, if you called up to say, I want to drop my, my cable, it's too expensive, they'd give you a deal. Say, oh, you come back, right? There's a whole joke on the internet, right? Y'all got to do my regular cancel call to get my, my yeah. rate. And four or five years ago, they said, you know what? We're not doing it anymore. If you want cable, you're going to pay full price. If you want to go, you can go. That was the actual warning sign. That was when ESPN should have started crapping its pants because that, 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 that was the first indicator of we're willing to let this go. And it, it's accelerated sharply since then. But even then, it was hard to imagine a world. It, it's hard to imagine what's happening right now. We have 12%, 13% of the country that cannot get ESPN right now. That's mind-blowing. But it was also sort of inevitable. And we're here, and they're going to have to figure it out. Fascinating stuff. You can uh, subscribe to Ben's Stratechery newsletter, which I have, I've been reading, I think at least for the last 10 years, but it's fantastic. And you have some podcasts too. to tell, plug the pods before we go. Yeah. I, well, I just have a big podcast about this today. Sharp tech. Uh, you, you, it's actually a free episode. There's some free episodes, some paid, but yeah, I, I get into this for like a, a good hour, dive into the different details or yeah, go to stratechery.com. Just search for Ben Thompson. It's easier than spelling it. And it'll be right, right on top. And yeah, see if you like it. And if you like it, there's some free stuff and you can always, always subscribe, but always be grateful. But regardless, it's, it's good to be back and it's good to have spent minimal time on the bucks. Maybe yeah. I'll be back this spring. That will be the hope. <laughs> oh, you'll be back sooner than that. Good to see you. Uh, thanks for staying up late for us too. Sounds good. I'll talk to you later. All right, that's it for the podcast. Thanks to Ben Thompson, R.L. Hawani. Thanks to Kyle Creighton for producing as well. Don't forget about Cousin Sal's Winning Weekend on FanDuel TV on Friday as well as the premiere of Ringer Wise Guys on Sunday, 11 a.m. on FanDuel TV and all the Ringer's social and digital platforms. Very, very, very excited about that. Good luck, fellas. And you can hear the Ringer Gambling Show as well, where not only is East Coast Bias there with a, a look ahead to the weekend, but also Warren Sharp and Joe House on Fridays as well for this season. Ringer NFL Show, Ryan Rosillo. We're all over the place. So that's it. Enjoy the weekend. Go Holy Cross. Come on, baby. Mama needs a new pair of shoes and go Emerson too. We need a win. See you on Sunday night with The Cuts.
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. You can call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. Call 1-888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Dr. Squatch. What you use in your personal care routine matters, so upgrade your lineup with Dr. Squatch. They have high-performing natural products with no harmful ingredients. That'll have you looking and smelling your best, like their wood barrel bourbon bar soap and lotion or their bay rum deodorant. They even have some limited edition soaps like their Avengers and Star Wars collections. Those seem like they'd be fun to try. And right now, they have an amazing offer for new customers. Get 20% off your first purchase of any amount or a subscription order by going to drsquatch.com slash Simmons or use the code Simmons at checkout. 